Okay. What was I supposed to say? That ring is evil. No cap. No cap. <laughs> Legless, he has the riz. Legless has the riz. I would argue with that. I don't think Legless has, think Legless Legless has, has the riz. I think Legless, that Aragorn has the riz. It's in love with Aragorn. It's, mm, it's love with Legolas. Finley's in love with Legolas. Like begrudgingly. But he's not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> Who in the Fellowship has the Riz? You can Mary? see Aragorn. Ooh. Mary has Riz. Is that just because he's a young one? I'm just saying. He's the Gen Z of the Fellowship. have grabbed Finn just, is the Gen Z. Finn is Gen Z. He's the one actually telling people they not know Riz. And then the rest of the fellowship's like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good answer. Mary and Pippin. Mary has Riz. Pippin, Pippin has Riz, but Pippin, Pippin doesn't. Pippin can identify it. He can he recognizes Riz. I don't know that Pippin in the Magic the Gathering card looks like he has Riz. Okay. <laughs> we can't we He's cannot, a teenager. We cannot all base it off of his fucking his trans mask hairstyle. Yeah. Trans mask Pippin. Mm-hmm. His hair is kind of like... We got a note to self to show look this up later. He, he kind of looks, looks like me. Like Here, you got to look, up later, look, look it up right first. Now. Because... Hey, guys. Uh, while Molly's looking up this very important information... <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Um, <laughs> Third voice. You should know her by now. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be our cool little uh, third of the way journey here, essentially. And we're recording live. All three of us. All li- yeah, live. In my living room, drinking delicious drinks that Molly made while I sip from a Gandalf tiki cup. It's very <laughs> so far we come. Are you seeing it? It does look a little bit like my husband's. <laughs> now you just gotta get like, the to puppy sleeves for him. I always wanted to be married to Pippin. When I was 14, I wrote like fan fiction Dream about being married to Pippin. Oh, look at 14 your... is too old. I was like 12. Which outfit is that? Oh, that's okay. his journey. There's a better outfit. There's one of him when he's in his uh, Minas Tirith one, where he's got like almost like puffy sleeves. I'm sure, I'm sure Tori <laughs> can find it real dang quick. I because Tori like really enjoyed the Magic the Gathering illustrations. They're so cool. Look at look at look at this little outfit. Oh my god, he's so cute. I don't think that that's a hobbit haircut. I have to say, but I do yeah. love the I love the outfit. Love, I love a slashed doublet. Yes, that's that's the fucking vibe. This whole deck was just Ren Fair fits. Yeah, it was. It really was. So, guys, <laughs> I mean, we usually spend this time of the podcast just catching up, but literally, we already did that off off Michael. <laughs> yeah. Point. Okay, we can get into it because we're going to finish this book. True. You guys, texted me, you guys texted me the Magic the Gathering card of Samwise Gamgee. Yes. When I was in Europe, I was in Spain and it was like 6 a.m. and I was awake for my flight home. And I misread it and I thought it said Spam can sacrifice three Frodo's to like get whatever his like boost. And I was so. That, that is three photos too many. I was like, he would never. This is a fictional card. This is not real. And then. It, they kindly pointed out that it was three foods. I don't, I don't want to play magic. I have never played magic. I don't either, <laughs> but I love the look of it. Did have you never played magic? No. Well, Wool was Am teaching you the first time here? we visited, right? Yeah. You're not yeah. the nerdiest one here, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> well, in regards to magic. Well, <laughs> the fight to see who the nerdiest one is now. <laughs> I think we've all, we're all equal yeah. to some degree. 
We all have our, we specialize. And together we are so powerful. And together we are unstoppable. You just thought you would have played magic before. You give me magic vibes. Fuck's that supposed to mean? <laughs> Sorry, white man. <laughs> that is, that is. I am awesome. a Warhammer player, madam. Oh, no. God, I wish I could afford Warhammer. My God. <laughs> Figurines are expensive. Shout out to Wolf for teaching me how to play. Magic the Shout out, Wolf. Oh my god, wait. While we're still talking about the Lord of the Rings Magic the Gathering card, the One Ring was found. Yes, and sold to Post Malone. What? Yes. So they made one card of the One Ring. And it's it's like the regular One Ring card they have, but all the script is in Elvish. And it's like shiny. And, and, and when you like, like move foils. it, it like reflexes That's and changes. Fun. They made one and hit it. It was like a fucking Wonka yeah. golden ticket. Someone found Someone it. Someone found it, and Post Malone bought it for $2 million. Okay. That's a tidy sum for the One Ring of Power. Yeah. I'm mad that it's Post Malone, but... <laughs> well, apparently he's a huge, like, Magic Gathering oh, and any, Lord of the Rings fan. Anyone now. can say they're a Lord of the Rings fan. People are saying they're glad it was given to a fan and not just, like, uh, I don't know, someone who was just going to, yeah, sell it and, like... Use it for was well, like hedge funding well, or Post something. Malone. How about you make a song about Lord of the Rings and then we'll talk about then how we'll, much then we'll, you'll you see how much of a fan. Yeah, making content. Come on. Do you Post have Malone. a podcast where you introduce a friend? Rings? No. Posty, consider becoming a patron. Hey, Post Malone. Yeah, join our fifty dollars tier that we've made just for just you. for you. Fifty. Why stop there? Don't get too greedy. Fifty a month—that's reasonable. That's a reasonable for thing us. Not do. even doing anything more. Hard for musicians, you know, they're not getting just from Spotify. Like our our fifty dollar tier is we give like a shout out and like a special like message, like love you post. <laughs> You're giving it away for free. No, no. Host, don't listen to this. Reel it back. Cut it out. Cut it out. But yes, so. I think without further ado, I think we should just dive right into this chapter. So, three, two, one. And welcome to this week's episode of The Silly Marillion. As always, I am your host, Paul, standing at the, at the shores of a lake beside a waterfall, looking into the east, wondering who will go on this journey with me. Who's this? It's my faithful friend, Tori, saying I'm not, I don't have to go alone. Tori! Paul, I'll go with you. Thank you for having me this week, as always. <laughs> of course, Tori. I'll we take your hand. Why don't you? I couldn't go on this journey without you, Tori. You not be I, I was like, who could Molly be? I don't care. care. Molly, my guess, but he doesn't show up till later. It's me. I'm pa- I'm clinging to a log. Just <laughs> the river with my faintly webbed hands, staring faintly. at you with my luminous eyes. Because so Golem just kind of pops in and pops out through this whole adventure, like you. Until uh-huh. until he sticks around for a while, but now that I'm living in LA. Yeah. Molly could stick around longer. It's got to be special. It's gotta, it does have yeah. to be a special yeah. occasion. Thanks for accepting the role of Gollum. Yeah. Yes. Happy to be here. You're precious. But yes, longtime friend of the podcast, 
Bon vivant. <laughs> Molly. Well, yeah. Okay. First chapter. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was. So the I think we're talking about. It was because I remember we were like, you you got right into it. And I was like, we have to go back and talk about concerning hobbits. True. So we it, it was. So I'm honored. I'm honored to be here. That was for the last chapter. Nearly a year ago. Nearly, that was nearly, that was nearly a year September ago. September twenty second last year. Yeah. Because we got on Bilbo's birthday. Dude. Now we're finishing it, August. We did a we did a good scheduling yeah. bit between us. Yeah. We actually managed to get this to the almost full circle of a year. Tori, how does it feel reading a book like slowly in that? She has texted me so many times where she's like, I hate that cliffhanger because now I have to wait two weeks (laughs) to read the next fucking chapter. I we I don't read it until right before we record. That's fair. That's better. I I will forget if I read it before and I can't read any farther. So it's I we the day of I'll read it, we'll record, I'll close it and put it away. Do you go back you don't go back at all and like reread to just be like, let me sit in it? Sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. <laughs> I'll read, like, a few pages of the chapter before, refresh what's going on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, when I read books, I inhale it. I'll, like, if it's short enough, I'm, like, one sitting. I'll yeah. continue it through the night and finish it. So this has been the slowest paced book I've ever read. But it's good because it makes me, like, appreciate it. I get to talk about it. And surely it helps that you've seen the movies, too. So you at least have a general yeah. idea of what's going to yeah. happen. It's just the specifics that are escaping you. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's been fun in this context because not only am I like reading it along with like y'all and like Paul, it's like also the listeners who are like chiming in and like write about things and get to. It's like a giant book club. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. It's like I mean, yeah, I feel like like the earliest novels were like like that Charles Dickens shit of like yeah. publishing it like periodically in magazines. Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, 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 where it would be like yeah, you would only get like one chapter and then you'd have to wait. It was like a TV show. Yeah. <laughs> like that was the structure. And so it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That's like I, I can't even do that with fanfic. It has to be completed. So it yeah. be the chapter by chapter. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Painful. Unless they're consistent. It's really yeah, it's I, I like to read things that are done. And yeah. there's a very few things that I'm like, I will I will dive into this knowing that I will just have to see the, my obsession until the next book comes out. I mean, at least mad respect for Tolkien, because didn't he only release it once he had, like, finished writing it all? And they only yeah. edited it up. Because really? He wanted it published as just one big book. <laughs> like a Bible? And the publisher said, I haven't just money if it's just one big book. So we'll they, be, made we'll him, read they, that. they made him divide it up into three. And then, like, they released it slowly over time. Oh, was it, like, one a year? In a year, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he's like, okay, <laughs> fine. Uh, this first one's called Fellowship of the Ring, I guess. <laughs> That's a very unrealistic expectation, but <laughs> he's like, I just, and, then the, and then I just wrote the next one in a year. Yeah, and that's why there are, like, books within these books. So, like, Fellowship of the Ring is two yeah. books. And it makes me... What weird alternate version of universes there where there are actually six... Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. And they're all separated just based off the system. They're not they're not titled, right? It's like book one and book yeah, two. Yeah, it's just book yeah. one, book yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. I always I always think of it as the DVD break. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like at least in the fellowship it happens at the same place. Yeah. Close, I believe. Yeah. I was gonna say it really confused me in this book. Like it didn't really have a reason for it being book one and two and whatever. Yeah. And you explained how it how it how it divides up between the point of view. Yeah, and the next one. I'm like, oh okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. Because it just seemed odd. Well, I guess it could you could 
see why simply because like it's just the hobbits in the first book and then aragorn kind of joins okay doesn't it end it right ends with them uh when they get to rivendell. reaching rivendell yeah because yes. i feel like that it's kind of like they have com- completed their first goal yeah what they assume is their only goal and so even frodo is like well, yeah. Um, we'll return, done, yeah. I'm done with the book. I'm at the end of the book, and then, like, it's like, no, you're not, sir. <laughs> you yeah. just yeah. kidding. Like, like, this is about the same number of pages as uh, yeah. Uncle Bilbo's. It's, yeah. 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 It's, no, there yeah. are Down. so many more. <laughs> yeah, he kind of gets to complete one journey before realizing he has so many more. But I do like that element overall. Good element. Good, good, good element. So, good soup. So how how are you how are you feeling about it, Tori? Yeah, how do you feel about the this breaking? chapter, the breaking of the fellowship, chapter ten? It's it feels kind of personal with what's going on in my life. Not gonna lie, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it feels full circle and yeah. like it how it has been this whole time when the fellowship really comes when you need it, and then it's like you got to go paths different paths for a little bit, but then come back together. So it feels it feels like a personal attack. And also, like, it's it feels like it's about time. This, like, going through chapter by chapter and taking so long to read it. I was excited and also kind of, like, sad. Like, oh, I did it. Like, I'll never read this for the first time again. Yeah. Like, this is the first Lord of the Rings book. Like, I have never read it. And now, here we are. Yeah. Done. Besides yeah. The Hobbit, but... And, like, arguably, I feel like the most iconic of the trilogy. Like, I feel like it has the most, like, iconic moments at all. I think so. I definitely think so. Yeah, like, it just has the most varied, like, simply settings and, yeah. like, things that happen, like, yeah. You get the Shire in this, you get more... It's more varied. Yeah, Like, yeah. up to, like, it's all... It's either all in Rohan or all in, like, Athelion. yeah. In book three, it's either all in Gondor or all in Mordor. Yeah. In this, it's the Shire, Bree, the Trollcaws, Rivendell, Moria, Lothlorien. Yeah. Quite a hike. Quite a hike. In fact, I think they do most of their actual, like, distance. Like... I think they do most of their actual distance in the last chapter, sailing down the river. Yes. They get very far on the river. I looked at it on a map once and I was like, oh, damn, that river really, really helped them out. So damn That big. chapter was long. I was like, Paul, all they're doing is paddling. Yeah. Uh, the entire chapter. last chapter was us going. And Tolkien describes them going down the river some more. Yeah, there's some rocks. And there's, there's some, some water. Let's pull over for a second. And we're back in the boat. <laughs> Bormir's being shifty, back in the boat. Yeah. Gollum's there. That, we'll that recording was very now. short. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So we re we regain our footing with the fellowship as they have just arrived at this place called Parthgalen, uh, which just means green lawn. Uh, and so, Jimmy, as always, you're so original, so clever. He's a delightful man. Who yeah, makes he only names. made up a language. He only <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, Tori, let's see you make up a language. Look. look. He told himself, I'm in the language that he made up. Is it Elvish? It's Elvish, yeah. Uh, Most of all these are just Elvish. And so they reach the side of the lake, and again, the Fellowship is just beset with just not knowing what they're going to do. 
this entire time they've been going down the river, they've been putting off making a decision about whether they're going to go off on the West Bank or the East Bank. Are they going to go the safe route and go to Gondor first? Or are they going to just go crazy and go on the East Bank and head straight for Mordor? And now that Gandalf is gone, it's really kind of come full circle in that Aragorn... He can't make a decision for the life of himself because he's torn because part of him really wants to go to Gondor and reclaim the kingship and become the big hero he planned on doing when Gandalf was still alive. Now that their guide and essentially the guy who was making all the decisions for them is gone, he has been thrown into, okay, are you going to commit yourself to the kingship or are you going to commit yourself to the task of escorting Frodo to Mordor? Was Aragorn planning to go yes. to Gondor and, be, and become king? Like, what was it about this moment that made him plan to do that? I, well, his plan from the beginning was he was going to accompany, I think they talk about when, uh, like, right after the Council of Elrond, mm. Aragorn says, I'm going too, but only because I'm going to accompany Boromir to Gondor and help in the war there. Uh Okay. And uh, initially, they're always going to kind of diverge. Yeah, there he was. He was always planning for their paths to diverge, because I think deep down he knows that being the ring bearer requires a subtlety that he does not have as a as a mortal man. That it has to be a hobbit essentially. And I feel like he also maybe talked with Gandalf about how he would maybe feel like he'd be jeopardizing the mission if he was going along. Because he's of the line of Isildur. Isildur yeah. was the one who could yeah. not destroy the yeah. ring and took it for his own. There may He may see that as being like a weakness of the blood or something. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's so interesting. I mean, I, I love that it is like Frodo is not just the bearer. Like Frodo is not just like, you know, a donkey that they strap the ring onto. Like they are, like they say very explicitly a couple of times in this chapter, like, this is your choice. Like you are the bearer of the ring and that confers something on you. And also you are being asked to make this sacrifice. That is so great. that like, you are the only one who can say what you're going to do next, which I find very, very beautiful and very, very interesting to be like, he is ultimately the one who is paying the greatest price. And so nobody, he can't be compelled to do this. Like he has to do it of his own free will, every stage of the journey. And there is this line where, Lugorn says, that kind of makes me sad. I am not Gandalf, and though I have tried to bear his part, I do not know what design or hope he had for this hour, if indeed he had any. Most likely it seems that if he were here now, the choice would still wait on you. Such is your fate. Yeah. Poor Frodo, just besotted <laughs> by fate. <laughs> yeah. Did sign up? I did. <laughs> I put a post in note because, like, in the beginning of this chapter, Frodo is on watch, and then Aragorn, like, can't sleep, and he's like, I'm gonna talk to Frodo, and I'm like, you, I'm making Frodo stand watch, he has a decision to make, like, oh my god, he has to make a decision tomorrow, like, let that tiny man have some sleep. Have, have Legolas do it, he barely yeah, he sleeps at all. Why are we having watch? <laughs> True. Like, that should just have watch every night. I, I think that's the, I think it's D&D rules, where he needs, like, four hours of just staring lifeless yeah. at this guy. Lore. I think it is. Or not just D&D lore. Well, because uh, in the previous chapter, um, everyone... No, because that's just 
him thinking because we we know that elves uh their memories are almost photographic mm-hmm. in that his he can like immediately just like throw himself into a memory of some mm. long forgotten time and just be there for a few minutes oh that's cool um, that's sweet well so it is like, until you realize that like orcs are corrupt elves and so <laughs> they have the same memory and that's why they're so messed up Oh. They're constantly reliving that trauma of torture at the hands of Morgoth. Wow. Yeah. I was like, love Frodo being like, yeah, I got a big day tomorrow. Like, maybe I could sleep through the night. And Lydell is like, I have to go to my mind. I <laughs> like, I need to. <laughs> but that, like, I need to remember this really sick treat that I saw once. Frodo. So, in in the next book, I think there is a moment when they talk about how, like. I think they call it the unsleep of the elves or something, where he's 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 not really there. He's awake, but his mind is kind of wandering as he's like staring up at the stars. I'm just imagine like that's the version of watching television. <laughs> just, just mindlessly flipping flipping through his memories. Yeah. Oh, I saw this one. Yeah, I feel like I do this. <laughs> so Frodo essentially all the companies basically like looking at him. A la, no pressure. A la awkward teenage high school film. Everyone in class is staring at him. And What's he simply the he decides, okay, if I'm gonna have to make a decision, I have to go off on my own. And to think about it. Aragorn's like, go okay, to think about it. I'll give you an hour, but don't stray too far and make sure you come back with a decision because we need to make this choice now because there's a big waterfall and we can only go down the river so far. Uh, and Sam is just like, Frodo, like, Sam's just like, well, I, I mean, obvi- it's obvious, but I'm not allowed to say it. Yeah. <laughs> it's no good Sam Gamgee putting in his spoke just now. He's so real. He's just like, I mean, we all, like, is it not obvious yeah. <laughs> what we have to do here? <laughs> oh, I love Sam. I know. It's, it's that kind of, like, incredible moral clarity where it's like, he's just like, I'm not even thinking, I'm not worried, I'm not worried about anything except for, like... Frodo. And yeah, mission. and, like, this specific job that needs to be done, I see it, and so I'm not even thinking about the other parts of it. It's it's the working man's mindset, Absolutely. where it's, like, he is, <laughs> enough of these, these wealthy... Yes. <laughs> people. Enough of these postal elites. For one of my favorite memes that I've seen, uh, for those of you who've seen the Barbie movie, uh, okay. there's a meme that said... Bilbo and Frodo are just like, my job is generational wealth. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's, it really that's is. very honest. They're it's just the gentry. Old, it's very old world to just be like, that is my entire job. My, like, my, manage the lands. What's your job? I'm the Baggins of Bag End. What, what do you do? I'm the Baggins of Bag End. Yeah. It's all you need to know. I throw parties and smile coyly at people behind the fan. That is why it's so fucked up that Frodo has to make all these big decisions. So terrible. I uh, need to have to choose so much more. had to choose anything besides, like, what is the theme of our party this year? What are we going to have for dinner? Yeah. But, um, so Frodo goes on his own and starts uh, basically ascending this hill called Amon Hen. Uh, there are two hills that basically border Rauris, the, the waterfall. Rauris. Rauris. Sounds like a Pokemon. Rauris XD. Uh, and... One is Amon Hen, the Hill of Sight, and one is Amon Law, the uh, Hill of, uh, I think, Hearing. Whoa. And so uh, Amon Law is on the eastern side, Amon Hen is on the western side. And essentially, these were 
border outposts for Gondor where men of Numenor could essentially just go up to these high places and be able to survey everything around them. Mm. Is there like a magical element to them? Like, it's implied. There yeah, like when he wears the ring later and he's up there, he's seeing things. Yeah, there's an implication that this is a place where because the Numenorians all have like a little bit of elf blood in them. Yeah, mm. and so there's that element of them being like if they go to a specific place, they can kind of mindscape this entire surrounding. And I think Frodo able to use his ring there. It, it taps into that almost old magic, but not entirely. Yeah. Well, also something so simple. I've been thinking a lot about like, sorry, this is a, this is mostly not about Lord of the Rings. Oh, go ahead. I went into a prehistoric cave in Spain and I saw paintings. I saw cave paintings. They're 30,000 years old. But I just was thinking wow. about, it was so cool, but I was thinking about like very old people and how there would be things that seemed like magic that to us now are very ordinary or like make a lot of sense, but it would have a magical. And even the idea of just like, this is the tallest hill in the area. You can go to the top and see more than you can see anything. That is like magical in its way. Yeah. Like I, I feel like yeah. that is like Tolkien is so interested in that. Like he's always like that. And then just like maybe a little bit of lore, but it's never, it's never very high magic. Yeah, it's always he, like, it's always it could the just, vagaries. Of yeah. It could just be, high hill that was the best hill to look at. It's like a few chapters ago when they left Lothlorien, Sam is given a rope by the elves. He goes, is this, he goes, is this magic rope? And they're like, it is rope. And it's just constant. It might simply be because we're just really good at rope. And also Sam being like, well, I have a I have a family interest in rope, and they're like, you should have told us. We would have taught you how to do it. Fucking tragedy of my life. That, like, there's not a little montage of Sam learning how to make Elvish rope. Like, his brother Hamfast is a roper. Where Hamfast is that? His uncle. His uncle, I believe, is okay. a roper. Oh, his brother goes to apprentice with this. Yes. Why do I know that? They they don't Sam lore. Wait. Okay. Well, there's his cousin Hal who saw the walking tree uh-huh. on the North Downs. Halfast and Hamfast. Halfast. Halfast. Were they you know, I'm gonna be real. I'm gonna be real. I might have. I might have written that in my fan fiction, and it might not be real. It might <laughs> it's not be real in the book. now. No, no, no class. <laughs> I was like, I have it so clearly in my head. For a supplemental it's reading, can no, <laughs> Reference Molly's. It's fine. Picture. It's fine. But it, it might be in the back of the book. Given all the family trees, that yeah, I feel like there's something. Okay, this is not important. Yeah, but it is. It is to me. It makes sense though. Yeah, it's canon now. It's in my. Uh, but yeah, I I do think Amon Hem and Amon Law have that element of like the Numenorians because we also learn like the Numenorians could basically make stone structures that even the ants can't end up breaking. Like there's yeah. a reason they can't break into oh. Isengard. It's because it was built by the Numenorians. And, oh, that's cool. And Tolkien doesn't even say it's magic. He just said it was built so well yeah. with the craft that the ants just can't tear it down. It's like technology, like sufficiently advanced technology being indistinguishable from magic. I forget who that quote is from. It's like Isaac Newton or someone smart. <laughs> someone, some guy who did a quote. <laughs> quote, and I feel like people always take it to be like, oh, like AI, like this is so magical. But it's like, yeah, in the simpler when you think of a similar world, it's like, yes, like, if if somebody built a building with technology that was far advanced from what you have access to, you'd be like, this is magical. Like, show a medieval peasant, like, a skyscraper. Yeah. And watch them. That's magic, yeah. It's a a tower made of glass. Yeah. 
to them. Yeah, it is like unimaginable. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that element because then it also plays into this idea of how people say Lord of the Rings is a post-apocalyptic fantasy novel. Yes. All the good oh. times have gone before. Yes. Huh. Like, not the real high fantasy was when we were going through the Silmarillion and it's these high battles with elves and like yeah. there are these grand civilizations. There's Numenor, the greatest kingdom of mankind. And like we literally spent a big part of this first book, walking past ruin after ruin mm, yes. after ruin yes. in the north. It's they're living on the yeah going through like, Moria. It's it's these an abandoned destroyed wasteland. destroyed worlds. Yeah, is so like oh, there's something so cool about it, and I feel like they never like road warrior esque how they're like yeah. going across country basically. There's this sense of sadness in it, and then also kind of. Yeah, like, they have to deal with this old problem, but they almost need to do it in a new way. Wow. It's very cool. Mm -hmm. And I always, I always see, like, the ultimate message of Lord of the Rings being about, like, well, the, the question of, like, do we use the ring or not? It's like, do we use this old power or do we try to, like, do we get rid of that and try to write a new future? Yes. And, like, I think that that's mm. very, like, interesting for this, the time that we live in right now in the real world. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bring it back to the real world. Sorry. Make it real. <laughs> What's the perfect segue to uh, Boromir coming yeah. into this conversation? Yes. Using the ring. <laughs> yes. We have Boromir approaching Frodo to essentially convince him to go, essentially, at first, to go with him to Minas Tirith. And he raises some uh, objections of just kind of wandering into Mordor. Suddenly he awoke from his thoughts. A strange feeling came to him that something was behind him, that unfriendly eyes were upon him. He sprang up and turned, but all that he saw to his surprise was Boromir, and his face was smiling and kind. I was afraid for you, Frodo, he said, coming forward. If Aragorn is right, and orcs are near, then none of us should wander alone. And you, least of all, so much depends on you. And my heart is too heavy. May, may I stay now and talk for a while, since I've found you? It would comfort me. Where there are so many, all speech becomes a debate without end. But two together may perhaps find wisdom. You are kind, answered Frodo. But I do not think that any speech will help me. For I know what I should do, but I am afraid of doing it, Boromir. Afraid. Boromir stood silent. Morris roared endlessly on. The wind murmured in the branches of the trees. Frodo shivered. Suddenly Boromir came and sat beside him. Are you sure you do not suffer needlessly? He said. I wish to help you. You need counsel in your hard choice. Will you not take mine? I think I know already what counsel you would give, Boromir, said Frodo. When it would seem like wisdom, but for the warning of my heart. Warning? Warning against what? Said Boromir sharply. Against delay, against the way that seems easier, against refusal of the burden that is laid on me, against, well, if it must be said, against truth in the strength and truth in that. Yet that strength has long protected you, far away in your little country, though you knew it not. Do not doubt the valor of your people, but the world is changing. The walls of Minas Tirith may be strong, but they are not strong enough. If they fail, what then? You shall fall in battle valiantly. Yet there is still hope that they will not fail. No hope while the ring lasts, said Frodo. Ah, ring, said Boromir, his eyes lighting. Ring, 
not a strange fate that we should suffer so much fear and doubt for so small a thing. So small a thing. And I have seen it only for an instant in the house of Elrond. Could I not have a sight of it again? Frodo looked up. His heart went suddenly cold. He caught the strange gleam in Boromir's eyes, yet his face was still kind and friendly. It is best that it should lie hidden, he answered. As you wish. I care not, said Boromir. Yet may I not even speak of it, for you seem ever to think of its power in the hands of the enemy, of its evil uses, not of its good. The world is changing, you say. Minas Tirith will fall if the ring lasts, but why? Certainly if the ring were with the enemy, but why if it were with us? Were you not at the council, answered Frodo, because we cannot use it, and what is done with it turns to evil. Boromir got up and walked about impatiently. So you go on, he cried. Gandalf, Elrond, all these folk have taught you to say so. For themselves they may be right, these elves and half-elves and wizards. They would come to grief, perhaps. Often I doubt if they are wise and not merely timid, but each to his own kind. Blue-hearted men, they will not be corrupted. We of Minas Tirith have been staunch through long years of trial. We do not desire the power of wizard lords, only strength to defend ourselves, strength in a just cause. And behold, in our need, chance brings to light the ring of power. It is a gift, I say, a gift to the foes of Mordor. It is mad not to use it, to use the power of the enemy against him. Fearless, the ruthless, those alone will achieve victory. What would not a warrior do in this hour? Great leader, not Aragorn. Or if he refuses, why not Boromir? The ring would give me power of command. How I would drive the hosts of Mordor, and all men would flock to my banner. Boromir strode up and down, speaking ever more loudly. Almost he seemed to have forgotten Frodo, while his talk dwelt on walls and weapons, and the mustering of men, and he drew plans for great alliances and glorious victories to be, and he cast down Mordor, and became himself a mighty king, benevolent and wise. Suddenly he stopped and waved his arms. And they tell us to throw it away, he cried. I do not say destroy it. It might be well if reason could show any hope of doing so. It's not. The only plan that is proposed to us is that a halfling should walk blindly into Mordor and offer the enemy every chance of recapturing it for himself. Folly. Go do you see it, my friend? He said, turning now suddenly to Frodo again. You say that you are afraid. If it is so, the boldest should pardon you. Is it not really your good sense that revolts? No, I am afraid, said Frodo. Simply afraid. But I'm glad to have heard you speak so fully. My mind is clearer now. Then you will come to me, Nostirith, cried Boromir. His eyes were shining and his face eager. You misunderstand me, said Frodo. But you will come, at least for a while. Boromir persisted. My city is not now far, and it is little further from there to Mordor than from here. We have been long in the wilderness, and you need news of what the enemy is doing before you make a move. Come with me, Frodo, he said. You need rest for your venture. If go on, you must. He laid his hand on the hobbit's shoulder in friendly fashion, but Frodo felt the hand trembling with suppressed excitement. He stepped quickly away and eyed with alarm the tall man, nearly twice his height and many times his match in strength. 
Why are you so unfriendly? Said Boromir. I am a true man, neither thief nor tracker. I need your ring, and you know now. Give you my word that I do not desire to keep it. Will you not at least let me make vile of my plan? Lend me the ring. No, no, cried Frodo. The council laid it upon me to bear it. It is by our own folly that the enemy will defeat us, cried Boromir. Fool, obstinate fool, running willfully to death and ruining our cause. If any mortals have claimed to the ring, it is the men of Numenor and not halflings. It is not your suit by unhappy chance. It might have been mine. Would have been mine. Give it to me. Frodo did not answer, but moved away till the great flat stone stood between them. Come, come, my friend, said Boromir in a softer voice. Why not get rid of it? Why not be free of your doubt and fear? You can lay the blame on me, if you will. You can say that I was too strong in my force. For I am too strong for you, Halfling! He cried, and suddenly he sprang over the stone and leaped at Frodo. His fair and pleasant face was hideously changed. A raging fire was in his eyes. Frodo dodged aside and again put the stone between them. There was only one thing he could do. Trembling, he pulled out the ring upon his chain and quickly slipped it on his finger, even as Boromir sprang at him again. The man gasped, stared at him for a moment amazed, and then ran wildly about, seeking here and there among the rocks and trees. Miserable trickster! He shouted. Let me my hands on you. Now I see your mind. The ring to run and sell us all. You fully waited your chance to leave us in the lurch. Curse you! And all halflings to death in darkness! Then, catching his foot on a stone, he fell sprawling and lay upon his face. For a while, he was as still as if his own curse had struck him down. Then suddenly, he wept. He rose and passed his hand over his eyes, dashing away the tears. What have I done? He cried. What have I said? Frodo! He called. Frodo! Come back! A madness took me, but it has passed. Come back! Insane. Uh... That was such it a goes so hard. It goes so hard. Tolkien rarely ever does dialogues like this. I know. It's so often that he's like, and the wall of yeah. the cliff rose a hundred fathoms. And well, like, I love, I love the part where Tolkien, where Tolkien's like, and Boromir kept talking. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> continued to monologue. And it's like, it's like when you're uh, writing a script and you get to a battle scene and you just put they fight. Yeah. <laughs> Let the director handle all that. Which I felt like that's what he did so much in like The Hobbit. It's like they're about to be action and then like Bilbo gets knocked out. Yeah. Or he's like in a bush and he hides and you don't know what happens. And this was full, full scene, full change in Boromir. Like the, the way that you like... Yeah, it is. You're so right. Like it is. Like Tolkien was like, this is important enough to show. Yeah. Every line of this, like, change from being a friend who is like sad and loves his city mm-hmm. to like being someone who is like, I will take it from you by force. And the fact that he, 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 it's not just an incremental thing. He's going back and forth yes. between tactics. Yeah. Like when he realizes he's scaring Frodo too yeah. much, he he softens it up a bit. He even he can't control just the line that always makes me shiver is uh, you can say that I was too strong and took it by force for I am too strong for you halfling yeah, and that it just shivers because it's so almost like because yeah it's very the implications that would just go with it and the, the very about. cognizant change of like 
Frodo, it's no longer Frodo. It's Halfling. Yeah. It's no longer Boromir. It's the man. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, before. that's so smart. They, yeah, and he said something earlier. The fearless, the ruthless, these alone will achieve victory. Like he, it just is. It's this question of like, do you use this power? And the, and the fact that it is, he like when he first says it, the fearless. You're like, oh yeah, fearless hero, the ruthless. Okay. That's a bit more iffy. Yeah. Because we, so often ruthlessness is not, like, a quality that yeah. people, like, say is a good Well, it, one. yeah, this this power that the ring represents is not unique to the ring, yeah. which I think is really interesting. And it is this power of, like, brute force. Can you overcome someone? And the ring give, grants that power, but Boromir also has that power over Frodo. Yeah. And that's what makes it so, when he does that, it's so fucked because he is yeah, stepping outside of, like, everything that has been agreed on, every kind of, like, societal thing that is, like, here's, here's, like... Here's why you don't just take the Take rain. things that you want. Yeah, yeah, and he's doing... And it's also, like, also just, like... I mean, I could write a fucking essay about, like, Frodo being very... Wait. <laughs> in a very, like, female way, I think. And, like, yeah. this... I think, like, this is, like... It, it hits really, really hard. And the fact that he almost... That way. He's, like, almost, like, like, by doing this, acting like he's doing Frodo a favor by saying... You can just say I was too strong for you. Yeah. It's yeah. offering that it's, glass thing before yeah. being like before saying you don't it's actually happening. have a choice. Yeah, no, yeah. this is happening. Like it it's like I don't know if Tolkien was intending that at all, but like the the parallels that you can draw with it's it. It's just mm-hmm. there's so when much when you think about gender politics, yeah. like it's like very like very it goes very hard. Yeah. Oh. The fact that that entire thing had simply said it started like that just that one paragraph started with come come my friend yeah to To, i am too strong for you how that switch happens so quickly and then to curse you and all halflings to death and darkness yeah harsh rude hard rude not just frodo all halflings when he when he throws aragorn onto the bus he's like i am a true man neither thief nor tracker like okay oh yeah trans aragorn theory (laughs) (laughs) damn I mean, let me pull it out. Pull out my lesbian uh, Aragorn. Yes. <laughs> I dropped all my lesbian Aragorn. Oh, oh no! <laughs> I like how he entered this conversation with his face was smiling and kind. Yes, because that's not like I was afraid I for you, Frodo. Is what he said. Yeah, it's so this whole like this scene is so iconic in the film, but it's a little different. It's it's. And he's a lot more unsettling. In he's a yeah. lot more unsettling. There's like very kind of like some like very interesting like visual implications of like assault in the film that I think is like very correct for like what it is. And you sort yeah. of see the ring like he's a lot more controlled by the ring. And I love it in the books. I think it just goes so hard because Boromir just he is making sense. It You really understand. And he really cares about Frodo. And how he's approaching him like. May I stay now and talk for a while since I have found you? It would comfort me. Yeah. Where there are so many, all speech becomes a debate without end. But two, d- two together may perhaps find wisdom. And he's trying to do it right. He's trying to do it right. He's trying to convince him to do it of his own free will. Almost kind of how the ring might, how to like a yes. ring, the ring might keep cloying at you. Yes. It won't ever grab immediate control right away. It'll start kind of edging you towards that. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, the point right. where your speech is like 
Yeah. Like, it's powerful. I Frodo talking about like warning in his heart against the way that seems easier is like hits yeah. me so hard. Like there is just warning something... in your heart. Yeah. It, even when your head is saying this makes sense, but your heart says something isn't right. And is saying I have to do the thing that is harder and it's yeah. objectively That's worse. Why it freaking hit me personally? Well, it's it was great. so like yeah. I could do the easy thing, but like that might not be what yeah. is right for me in the moment. There's this whole feeling in in this section that I think is like incredibly true for like emotional and like interpersonal things. And I also think is very true for activism and like showing up in the world yeah. in a good way where it just is like it this the, the the right thing to do is not actually that complex. It is not actually you do not actually have to have a lot of debates over the right thing to do. But it the right thing to do is very scary mm-hmm. and it is very hard. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of things that are easier and seem like close enough to rights that you might as well do that. Mm-hmm. And it is so hard to just try to do the right thing consistently. But yeah. it's it, I, I love I love Frodo in this because he just he's afraid and that is is his main yeah. like he knows what's right. Sam knows what's right. Sam is too stupid to be afraid. Frodo is smart enough to be afraid. <laughs> but like stupid in a loving way, like my favorite character in the world. But like it it's just it's just fear. Like yeah. he always he's never It wasn't a question of what is the right thing to do. It's just like having the courage to do it. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think is yeah. The right thing is not always the smart thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And doing it even when you're very afraid and be, being afraid and still doing it. So that yeah. happened. <laughs> that sure did happen. I'm glad that we read all of that because I always like love this is like my favorite part of this it chapter. Is this is why I wanted to come. When Tolkien takes the time to actually write dialogue between characters, you're like, you're so good at this man. Why did you spend so much time to, like describing a tree? I'm screaming. How could you do this to me when you have such good prose? My dude. If he had written more in-depth with the Silmarillion, I bet that man could have created so many, like, great dialogues. Yeah. Like, even, like, the few little dialogues he puts in, like, Feanor saying, get thee gone from my uh, doorway, thou jail crow of Mandos. Like, that kind of, like, sassiness of Feanor. (laughs) If if only he had more time to maybe even, like, create actual novels yeah. of the Silmarillion when the characters in, yeah. in such a way where I think you can yeah the characters can like be very representative and they can be archetypal but when okay. when they are actually speaking yeah it's just like you you get to you're like this is what Frodo is actually saying this is not like describing what he's saying and you feel very grounded in the story like you are you are like in the prose with the characters it's like you're watching a movie yeah yes. like this could be a stage play yeah, that. which is also why I was like, let's read this section because it it's so good. And selfishly, I wanted to hear your Boromir monologue. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. Frodo is just so like he knows like he knows he what can't from the very Frodo. start he knows what Boromir is trying to get from the to very do. start. And even like when he's like, I am glad to have heard you speak so fully. My mind is clearer now. Like I'm yeah. you. You showed me. You gave me a very clear object lesson that we cannot fucking take the rings of Gondor. Absolutely not. You are being so awful. Um, and I just, I love that any doubt that he had, like, went away with that. And for and yeah. Boromir's so excited. And Frodo's like, no, dude. Absolutely not. Not, not what you think, actually. You have, like, shown your entire ass. He does. He does. He, 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 this is when he outs himself. Or specifically, the <laughs> desire that the ring has placed inside him. Yes. Um, 
and yeah, it forces Frodo to flee while wearing the ring. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that it has come to the point that so close to Mordor, he is forced to put on the ring. Yeah. And Gandalf has warned him against it so often. Hope you're happy, Boromir. <laughs> Hope you're happy now. Um, shout out to Wicked. Fantastic musical. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Absolutely. Well, the second half kind of lags a bit, yes. if you ask me. Yeah. But, uh... So Frodo essentially just runs to the summit of Amon Ben to escape Boromir while wearing the ring. And as soon as he gets there, uh, he, is, he sits himself upon the seat of seeing the hill of the eye of the men of Numenor. And he feels like a lost child that had clambered upon the throne of mountain kings. It's just like... Tolkien, who gave you the right to That's your little guy. prose? He's just like, little guy. I'm just what are the hobbits to you, Tolkien? Like, I genuinely, like, what do they mean to you? I just, I don't know. And when he's up there, the first thing he sees is just the beauty of the world. He looks around, he sees the broad pastures of Rohan and Orthanc, the pinnacle of Isengard like a black spike. He looks south, and he looks at the great river curled like a toppling wave and plunged over the falls of Raulus and into a foaming pit. A glimmering rainbow played upon the fume. I fear Anduin, he saw, the mighty delta of the river and myriads of seabirds whirling like a white dust in the sun, and beneath them a green and silver sea rippling in endless lines. Gorgeous. And then he looks closer. And he sees that all these places he's looked at, the Misty Mountains, Isengard, Rohan, are all beset by war. He sees orcs crawling out of the Misty Mountains like ants. Hate that. Mm-hmm. Lows of Mirkwood, there were deadly strife between elves and men and fell beasts. The land of the Beornings was aflame, a cloud was over Moria, smoke rose on the borders of Lorien. Hate that. And that. then it kind of's like, Here's the preview of the next book. <laughs> Men are galloping over the plains of Rohan. All the power of the Dark Lord was in motion. And then turning south again, he beheld Minas Tirith. Far away it seemed and beautiful, white-walled, many-towered, proud and fair upon its mountain seat. Its battlements glittered with steel, and its turrets were bright with many banners. Hope leapt in his heart. But against Minas Tirith was set another fortress, greater and more strong. And he is, his eyes basically pulled away from the hope that Minas Tirith represents, and he is forced to essentially t- look into the heart of darkness of this world. And suddenly he felt the eye. Dun, dun, dun. There was an eye in the dark tower that did not sleep. He knew that it had become aware of his gaze. A fierce, eager will was there. It leapt towards him almost like a finger. He felt it searching for him. Very soon it would nail him down, know just exactly where he was. Roman Law it touched, it glanced upon Tolbrandir, and he threw himself from the seat, crouching and covering his head with his grey hood. He heard himself crying out, Never! Never! Or was it, Verily I come, I come to you? He could not tell. Then as a flash from some other point of power, there came to his mind another thought. Take it off! Take it off! Oh, take off the ring! I love your voice choice. Is that Gandalf? It's uh, I. I've always read that as Gandalf. A fool, reaching. really. Like it's calling him a fool. Yeah, because you could say it could also be Frodo calling himself a fool. Because I feel like Frodo. But it literally like, in the next pa- passage yeah. says he was aware of himself, Frodo, and neither the voice nor the eye. So yeah, it's the like voice. Very clear so that the voice him. is something else. And it's a good. Um, 
juxtaposition against uh it's Gandalf fulfilling his purpose of countering Sauron. Yeah. It's Sauron reaching out to find where Frodo is, where Frodo in that moment, Frodo is not even sure if he is trying to yell never never, or if he's saying, I'm going to give you the ring. Only then that the voice kind of breaks in and tells him to take it off, and he is free to choose. Yes. And he takes off the ring and He's back where he was. One remaining instant in which to do so. It's just like... It's could have not had any so more books after that. tense and delightful. How does he pace it? Like, how does... It's amazing. This madman. I wonder... Yeah. It makes me wonder how many renditions of this chapter he went through. Yeah, I bet there's a couple in the history of Middle-Earth. Because if he, do, like if he did drafts. this all in one take... Like, <laughs> all in one take. For his own good. It does kind of... You know, it's like... Not feel embarrassed. Saying that I'm a writer when I'm like talking about Tolkien. Like I am, I am technically a writer, and it's like the idea of like temple scenes is what a lot of people call it, where you're like, I've started, and I know that this isn't going to be a big scene. It kind of have like I'll do that a lot, where I'll be like, I'm kind of like playing it out in my head, and like that is like when I think about the story, it goes to that scene, refining, and but even though I'm like not there yet, I'm working through the story chronologically. Yeah. By the time I get to that point, I, it like it just like bursts out. Everyone has the points in the story that they really can't wait to write. Yeah, but yeah. they have to get there first. Yeah, and that's often what's kind of kept me from writing because I'm like, I can't wait till I can write this scene, but I can't yet. Yeah, yeah. And so, Frodo comes to his decision. Yeah, I will. I will do now what I must. Some I cannot trust, and those I can trust are too dear to me. Poor old Sam line. and Mary and Pippin. Strider, too, his heart yearns for Minas Tirith, and he will be needed there. Now Boromir has fallen to evil. I will go alone at once. That part killed me. Like, he was about to do what Bilbo did and just disappear. Yeah. Just go. Because he saw what it did to Boromir. Yeah. And to be like, I saw this happen to this man in front of me. Can you imagine that happening to Sam or Mary or Pippin? Or Strider. Yeah. The, yeah. the line of some I cannot trust and those I can trust are too dear to me. Like, he doesn't want his friends to be collateral damage in this mission. And while it fits in the movie, the scene where he offers Aragorn the ring mm. and Aragorn refuses it, I it doesn't fit with the book. Yeah. I think yeah. if push came to shove... Aragorn would be very tempted to take the ring, and I definitely think he would. Interesting. Yeah. Aragorn, I feel like, is quite different in between the movies and the books. He's he's much more soft little meow meow boy in the movies, <laughs> where he's like, I don't want the kingship. I want yeah. the ranger the sad boy. Yeah. live in the forest. And in this one, he's like, I can't wait for authoritarian rule. <laughs> I can't wait to just command everyone. Overstatement, I think. Well, he's, he's very hyped. Like, yeah. It's, he gets very uppity in front of Boromir when he's like, I'm the true king, even though he's from the line of Isildur yeah. and Narian, who were technically the kings of Gondor. But uh, yeah. then, meanwhile, back, <laughs> on, back on the ranch. Oh, yeah, but... Uh, this... Surely, I hate leaving them and like this without any explanation, but surely they will understand. Sam will! Thanks <laughs> <laughs> to date me! <laughs> Uh, so yeah, back on the ranch. Sam not understand. I'm sorry. They are all basically debating of okay, well, what's taking Frodo so long? 
And Frodo and Aragorn's like, well, he's got a big decision, guys. They're all just like sitting around, like talking about him when he's not there. It's so high school. And they're like, oh, my God. and like, Born- and Aragorn's like, oh, man, I miss Gandalf. I wish Frodo was here. <laughs> and everyone's like, what do you think Frodo would do? And it's like, no, you're wrong. You don't know Frodo at all. <laughs> and Legolas is like, Legolas is like, well, I vote Minas Tirith because that's just me. But then Gimli says... And Gimli says, and so should I. We, of course, were only sent to help the bear along the road, to no, go no further than we wished, and none of us is under any oath or command to seek Mount Doom. Hard was my point parting at La- from Lothorian. Yet I have come so far, and I say this. Now we have reached the last choice, and it is clear to me that I cannot leave Frodo. I would choose Minas Tirith, but if he does not, then I will follow him. Gimli... I love it. Then Legolas is like, you know what? And I'll like, go. Yeah. 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 It says, "Can I look over there?" So cute. Legolas is like, call him back and then vote. I should vote for Minas Tirith. Like <laughs> nobody asked you, Legolas. Who are you? What is she talking? Drink. You have no. So funny. He's just like, guys. I have opinions, thoughts, truly, and then still, don't, like, don't care. And then Gimli's like, I have a different thought. And Legolas is like, oh, you're, oh, you're right, actually. And we're uh, this part where I'm like, God, I need to write uh, a new fan fiction. About what if they had gone according to Aragorn's plan? Where Aragorn says, we can't all go together. This is this, this much is clear. But I would appoint three companions to go with Frodo. I would appoint myself, Sam, who would not bear it otherwise, <laughs> and Gimli. Sam will just be a problem. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, I love how many rooms Sam goes into by just being like, no, he's going, it's going to be more trouble to keep him out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he basically, he leaves like a little open room in case Legolas wants to come along too. That's uh, right. Explicitly. Like, well, no. He should appoint three companions. Well, he says, uh, appoint three companions. Boromir will return to his own city, where his father and his people need him, mm-hmm. and with him the others should go, or at least Mariadoc and Peregrine, if Legolas is not willing to leave us. <laughs> he's so like, he's like, I, I heard you vote for me, Nas Tirith. Yeah. I'm not gonna. He's like, Gimli, how how serious are you guys? Are you like, is this like a go into Mordor together, or like, are you kind of was it an awkward hookup, and you're kind of looking for a way out, like? But. Uh... <laughs> And, Don't do it. Okay, yeah. Mary. Can't leave Frodo. And then I always intended to go wherever he went, and we still do. Hobbits are loyal through and through. You know, it would be mad into hell. Cool to let Frodo go to Mordor. Why can't we stop him? Mary, you're so stupid. <laughs> Pippin, and he doesn't like to ask anyone to go with him, poor old fellow. Imagine it, going off to Mordor alone. I love how they're just talking about what he's exactly trying to do. They know Frodo to a T. Also, Tori, like, this is us with you. He ought to know that if we can't stop him, we shan't leave him. Yeah. And then Sam's like, let me tell you about the the inner machinations of my boyfriend's mind. I don't think you understand my master at all. He isn't hesitating about which way to go. Of course not. What's the good of Minas Tirith anyway? To him, I mean. Begging your pardon, Master Boromir. Fucking, like, mic drop. Like, begging your pardon, Master Boromir, and then being like, Boromir's not there. Yeah. So good. Like, they did not notice. They did not notice. Ugh. He's been a bit queer lately. Well, it was June. Uh, 
Anyway, he's not he's not in this business. He's off to his home, as he always said, and no blame to him. But Mr. Frodo, he knows he's got to find the cracks of doom if he can, but he's afraid. Now it's come to the point. He's just plain terrified. That's what his trouble is. Of course he's had a bit of schooling, so to speak. We all have, since we left home. He'd be so terrified he'd just fling the ring up in the river and bolt. But he's still too frightened to start, and he isn't worrying about us either, whether we'll go along with him or no. He knows we mean to. That's another thing that's bothering him. If he screws himself up to go, he'll want to go alone. Mark my words, we're going to have trouble when he comes back, for he'll screw himself up all right, as sure as her, his name's Baggins. You cannot read someone for filth like this. You do not deeply love them. It is so sweet to just be like, I know. It him like a book. I understand Truly. it all, and I also understand that like he's being very stupid in these ways, and he doesn't understand, and he's going to try to sacrifice himself. Like It's so, it is just so, so sweet. It's just like, and he's screwing himself up because he doesn't want to hurt us, hurt us which is cute, yeah. but stupid. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to let him do that. Like, of course we're not going to let him do that. Uh, and then Boromir comes back, and Aragorn basically gives him the, uh, okay, where have you been? It's so awkward. Uh, I grew angry, and he left me. He vanished. I have never seen such a thing happen before, though I've heard it in tales. He must have put the ring on. I could not find him again. I thought he would return to you. Is that all you have to say? Said Aragorn, looking hard and not too kindly at Boromir. Yes, he answered. I will say no more yet. He's just bad. Cried yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bad. Iconic Lord of the Rings quote. This is bad. <laughs> make a... Make a... That's just the quote. For I need to make one of those inspirational it. pictures with, like, <laughs> Sam, Sean Astin as Sam. Giving like a worried face. Yeah, it's bad. It's, it's bad. Sam Candy. Tori, what were you gonna say? Uh, oh, just Boromir giving half truths. Like it's so sneaky. Yeah. I don't think it's sneaky. I think he's ashamed. Yeah, it's both. He's deeply ashamed. Yeah, you can, you can have both feelings. I guess he does. To the show. <laughs> this is bad. That's the episode title. Bad. I don't know what that man has been up to. Capital M man. Man. And I know when Sam being like, "Are you? What are you, Mister Frodo? Put the ring on. What on earth did you do?" Because that's the one thing Mister Gandalf said yeah, not to do. Frodo, what did the ring on? Like, what did you do to him? Oh, I love. And him. then I love how the the hobbits chapter. are quickly like. Okay, but he won't keep it on too long. So then he must have taken it off. He must be out there somewhere. <laughs> and then they just run. Yeah. <laughs> Find Frodo. Hide and seek. Who shall be first? And then Aragorn, trying to be the adult. Wait a moment, cried Aragorn. We must divide up into pairs and arrange. Here, hold on. Wait. <laughs> He's just the teacher in, in a Green class. Yeah. They're like, you're no king yet. Yeah. And tell me what to do. Sam just runs. Mary and Pippin are running. Legolas and Gimli are running. <laughs> oh, Boromir is just so like he's just like. I mean that it's, it's just it's very it's a very very real like yeah. pattern of behavior where he is like I did something I'm now ashamed of it I'm lying about it and also now I'm being like oh I'm so sad that I did this thing that I can't even help you yeah <laughs> it might be an hour since I've wandered I don't know how long I don't know when I saw Frodo I don't know what happened and it's like. Uh, yeah. Thanks for nothing, Boromir. So, and so, just like, 
yeah, like he is so caught up. He is so like myopic in his point of view and so caught up in his own point of view Yeah, in this way that like, then I think Sam is like at the absolutely the farthest end where Sam is like, I see exactly what has to happen. And I'm not thinking of anything else. And Boromir is like, I can only think of what I want to happen. Mm. It's heartbreaking. It's so real. He's like, he's like one of the most human characters in this book. I think Boromir is. And then pulling back to what we talked about with like the seat of Ammon uh, and being almost kind of magic, Aragorn does say, okay, I'm going to go up to the seat of seeing and try to like get a good look around. Come with me, Sam. But he can't keep up with Aragorn because Aragorn is a full, so a long legged man. I love him. Sam, Sam stopped and puffed. And puffed. <laughs> oh my God, it's so cute. And then his little. Whoa, Sam Gamgee, he said aloud. Your legs are too short, so use your head. Let me see now. Ormir isn't mine. That's not his way. But he just told us everything. everything. It's, it's, that's where I'm like, it's sneaky. It's not yeah. lying, but you're withholding yeah. important information. Live, live omission. Yeah. Something scared Mr. Frodo badly. He screwed himself up to the point. Son, he made up his mind at last to go. Where to? I'll feast. Not without Sam. It's without even a sound. That's hard. It's a little hard. Okay, voice acting note, like, he is crying here. Like, he is texturally crying. And he's saying this to himself. Study, Gamgee. Look if you can. He can't fly across rivers, and he can't jump waterfalls. He's got no gear, so he's to get back to the boats. To the boats! To the boats, Sam, like lightning! Sam, like lightning! I love that whole thought process of him, like... Like, he just knows Frodo so well. Yeah. He, like, went through of what Frodo would be thinking and nailed it to a T. And now he's just, it's just that scene running through the field, like, I'm coming, Mr. Frodo. <laughs> I'm running to the airport. <laughs> and it is, it's very, like, got to get there before TSA. <laughs> yeah. Just even, like, even, like, like, oh, not without Sam? Yes, even without a Sam. Like, it's like, he's like, he knows Frodo well enough to even, like, like, Boromir is so up in what Boromir wants to happen. And Sam is like, obviously, I just want to, like, live in a little cottage with Mr. Frodo. But, like, that isn't what's happening. I know that Frodo would leave me, which I also find so compelling. Just the line, even without a Sam? Even without a Sam. Like, Sam. I mean, that's... One of... It's time for my daily Lord of the Rings Online is the best Lord of the Rings (laughs) adaptation video game. There is a, a part where your character... Uh, up until this point, your character's basically been following in the footprints of the Fellowship. You meet them when you're in Lothlorien, and they're getting ready to depart, and your job is to basically distract all the foes in um, Northwood, okay. so they're unaware of the Fellowship departing. Cool. But then you gotta go south to keep track of them. And when you reach Parth Gallen, you basically Aragorn it, where you're like, oh, look at these tracks, and then essentially you get to play as Sam as he is running with Aragorn to the top. And then you get to a point where it says, you should use your abilities. And your only ability is common hobbit sense. And then you click that and it goes, wait a minute. And it goes through this line of dialogue. And then your task is to run back, like evading orcs to essentially get back to this part where you can join Frodo. Yes. I, oh, I love that. That's so cool. It's like they, they use these abilities. It's like, yeah, it's common Hobbit sense. And I think whenever, because there are different parts when you play as Frodo as well, and he has common Hobbit sense, but there's no like trigger of when he uses it yeah. as opposed to Sam. Yeah. I just love like Sam as this kind of like 
he's like, like lives a life like in service to the Baggins. And like, you sort of get the impression that like his dad kind of like, like tells him to do stuff and yells at him. Yeah. Like, like, and I just love Sam in crisis reverting to like giving himself instructions. Like it is so, it is like. Back to the boat, Sam. It like is lightning. Yeah. It is like, you are both, your entire personality is around being devoted and caring for other people and like taking direction. But when you need to, you actually have the ability to like give yourself the direction. Uh-huh. And it's really cool. It's why I love him so much as a character. <laughs> Sam turned and bolted down the path. He fell and cut his knees. He got and ran on. He came to the edge of the lawn of Perthgalen by the shore, where the boats were drawn up out of the water. No one was there. There seemed to be cries in the woods behind, but he did not heed them. He stood gazing for a moment, stock still, gaping. Boat was sliding down the bank all by itself. With a shout, Sam raced across the grass. The boat slipped into the water. Coming, Mr. Frodo. Coming, called Sam, and flung himself from the bank, clutching at the departing boat. He missed it by a yard. With a cry and a splash, he fell face downward into deep, swift water. Gurgling, he went under, and the river closed over his curly head. An exclamation of dismay came from the empty boat. Paddle swirled, and the boat put about. Frodo was just in time to grasp Sam by the hair as he came up, bubbling and struggling. Fear was staring in his round, brown eyes. Hope you come, Sam, my lad, said Frodo. Now take my hand. Save me, Mr. Frodo, gasped Sam. I'm drowned. I can't see your hand. Here it is. Don't pinch, lad. I won't let you go. Tread water and don't flounder, or you'll upset the boat. There, now. Get hold of the side and let me use the paddle. With a few strokes, Frodo brought the boat back to the bank, and Sam was able to scramble out, wet as a water rat. Frodo took off the ring and stepped ashore again. Of all the confounded nuisances, you are the worst, Sam, he said. Mr. Frodo, that's hard, said Sam, shivering. It's hard trying to go without me and all. If I hadn't the guest right, where would you be now? Safely on my way. Safely, said Sam. All alone and without me to help you? I can't warn it. been the death of me. It would be the death of you to come with me, Sam, said Frodo. And I could not have borne that. Well, the sun is being left behind, said Sam. But I'm going to Mordor. You know that well enough, Mr. Frodo. Of course you are. But I'm coming with you. Now, Sam, said Frodo, don't hinder me. Others will be coming back at any minute. If they catch me here, I shall have to argue and explain, and I shall never have the heart or the chance to get off. But I must go at once. It's the only way. Of course it is, answered Sam. But not alone. I'm coming too, or neither of us isn't going. I'll knock holes in all the boats first. Frodo actually left. Sudden warmth and gladness touched his heart. Leave one, he said. We'll need it. But you can't come like this without your gear or food or anything. Just hold on a minute and I'll grab my stuff, cried Sam eagerly. It's all ready. I thought we should be off today. He rushed to the camping place, fished out his pack from the pile where Frodo had laid it when he emptied the boat of his companion's goods, grabbed a spare blanket and some extra packages of food, and ran back. So all my plan is spoiled, said Frodo. It is no good trying to escape you. But I'm glad, Sam. I cannot tell you how glad. Come along. It is plain that we are meant to go together. We will go, and may the others find a safe road. Strider will look after them. I don't suppose we shall see them again. If we may, Mr. Frodo. We may. Sam. Would you like to read out the final paragraph? <laughs> Have chills. So Frodo and Sam set off on the last stage of the quest together. Frodo paddled away from the shore, and the river bore them swiftly away down the western arm and past the frowning cliffs of Tolbrandir. The roar of the Great Falls drew nearer. 
And even with such help as Sam could give, it was hard work to pass across the current at the southern end of the island and drive the boat eastward towards the far shore. At length, they came to land again upon the southern slopes of Amanla. There they found a shelving shore, and they drew the boat out high above the water and hid it as well they could behind a great boulder. Then, shouldering their burdens, they set off, seeking a path that would bring them over the gray hills of the Iman Wheel and down into the land of Shadow. The that's the end of Fellowship Finn. of the Ring. Do you have a little, like, paragraph at the end that's like, this is the end of Oh. No. I don't. Here's what mine says. Here ends the first part of the history of the War of the Ring. The second part is called The Two Towers, since the events recounted in it are dominated by Orthanc, the Citadel of Saruman, and the Fortress Goal. It guards the secret entrance to Mordor. It tells of the deeds and perils of all the members of the now-sundered fellowship until the coming of the Great Darkness. The third part tells of the last defense against the Shadow and the end of the mission of the Ringbearer in the return of the king. That's what my book says. I Mine do- says maps. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it when they do treat it as like a retelling of history. So like much. when you read the appendices, you're reading it, and when it's, like it makes references to before we came to the Shire, you go. Oh, this is Bilbo recounting the appendices. It is vital to like remember that when you're reading this book. Like, I feel like it is like the key to this book is that it is so delightful, a historical telling. That's one of the big things I like about it because it's all from like Bilbo and Frodo's point of view. This was a book that was found in some ancient library that Tolkien has found, and he's now recounting to us. Yep, to the point that he makes up. Oh. Uh, Bilbo and Frodo and Sam, these are all the anglicized names uh, of the names. Their real names are... Nauralabingi. Nauralabingi. Mamma mia. It's so, it's so hard. Uh, it's so uh, Mary is Calamac Brandagamba. <laughs> these all sound fake. Like These sound like you're just like gaslighting me and like, making up well, I got something to tell you about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it it yeah. In case you thought it was history, I thought <laughs> But I can never not read that last part then and not hear the like yeah. Howard Shore music. One like I always cheer up at the end of watching Fellowship of the Ring as they're just looking on at Mordor from a yeah. distance and just but they are like so happy to be together they're so <laughs> the fact that they are like Frodo laughs in this moment Frodo actually laughed not going he loves Sam so yeah. much he laughs like of course you would come and like relieved yeah, so like, Sam Sam made that choice, so he doesn't have the the burden now. Yeah, of Sam basically right. says, yeah. "This isn't on you. I'm yeah. with you, yeah. regardless of what you want." Yeah, you're right. It is so interesting. We read this whole chapter of Boromir trying to convince Frodo to do one thing, and then Sam is just like, "No, here's what we're doing. 
I'm coming with you. I love when he like is seeing the boat leaving and he's like, I'm coming, Mr. Proto, I'm coming. Like, <laughs> so sorry I'm late. Go straight into the water without hesitation. And he can't swim. And he yeah. can't swim. Yeah. God. That's it. I yeah. always imagine that part of him like drowning in like two inches of water, but reading it now, it says that he like jumps off the bank. So I feel like he maybe just like. Yeah, maybe, what, it's not like a gradual lake. It's yeah, just it's a, not a beach. Yeah. Yeah. Or like he didn't go down the beach. He's like, I go the <laughs> if I if I aim this right, I can land in the boat with Mister Frodo, and, and then he failed. He rolled a one, <laughs> and I always just like think about Frodo seeing this and bearing in mind Frodo lost both his parents to drowning, mm-hmm. and then you have Sam launching himself mm-hmm. into the water, potentially putting himself in a position to be drowned while Frodo was watching. While watching, what else could he do? But he didn't. He didn't drown. It's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Well, yeah, Frodo's like, I have to save him. Oh, it's so good. Imagine when you were, if you were reading this while the books were still coming out, that you would now had to wait a year to find out, okay, well, what's happening with Mary Pippin, Aragorn, Boromir? Like, they're they're, they're all in the action. And like they say, like, they heard orc voices in the forest. Like, Sam hears orc voices. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, because the movie ends with this, like, very dramatic, tragic... Yeah, because you actually... You actually see what happens with Vormir and all the other characters in the movie. In this, it's solely focused on what happens with Frodo. Yeah. Because he's the main character of Fellowship of the Ring. It's so interesting. Actually, I, I kind of love it in the movie. I think for like the idea of the breaking of the fellowship. Oh yeah, no. it's so good to it's kind a, of it's end a, there. It's almost like um, fits with the word breaking. Yeah, they're being shattered by these enemies yeah. who are attacking them. Yeah. While for this, it's for now. You're just like, oh, it's just Frodo and Sam who are on their own. Not Merry and Pippin have also been kidnapped. Spoilers, <laughs> and uh, Boromir is dead, and. Uh, Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas are now trying to catch. God, the next book is going to start with a bang, huh? Ew, it, it yeah. doesn't start with Sam and Frodo. No, uh, it starts with you. Yeah. Don't find out what happens with Sam Frodo until the second. Like the cliffhangers, yeah. Jeez, yeah. The second half. Second half. Damn. Yeah, the the second book, like of two towers. Yeah. Second tower. Oh, it's really good. God. It's really good. I love these books. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're reading them. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for your patience as I read through them. So, guys, Tori, give me your honest review of Fellowship of the Ring. It's skewed, though. It's so skewed. Because I like reading it in this text, in this situation of like with friends Where you are right now. with a podcast yeah. with like listeners who like come along with me it's like a very exciting community thing it's together. so much more different than you would have if you had just read it over a weekend like, yeah like, quiet, like when it's like last winter you would just read through it mm-hmm. all on like a rainy weekend because mm-hmm. sometimes jimmy takes too long control like uh Describing trees and rivers and stuff. You like, also could have just like, skipped over the entire Let's Great go, bro. <laughs> You could have just skipped the Great Rivers chapter yeah. and, like, and no worse for it. <laughs> my single spiciest Lord of the Rings take is that I can go off the landscape descriptions. Like, that is my most controversial take. Carolee. <laughs> I'm like, come on, give me some more description on the elves besides just their hair I and I don't height. mind the scenery descriptions, but then when he starts bringing, like, 
quantifiable metrics into it. Like, it rose 100 feet. I'm like, bro, I can't picture 100 feet. Give me colors. Give me I, a fucking... I feel like, you know, I've, I've only backpacked a couple times. But as someone who has, like, backpacked and, like, enjoys a, a good hike, it feels like that's how you think about it when you're moving through the landscape. Like, you are kind of, you do kind of, like, of, here's how many uh, miles I've come. Here's how many miles to go. That looks like it's about, like, a mile away. Like, yeah. I feel like, like, when I, like, sit down to actually read the landscape descriptions, it always feels like what it actually feels like to walk through a landscape. Well, Tori, if we went on a fellowship hike, maybe that would change your point of view on Tolkien's uh, description. I've been wanting to do, I've been wanting to do like, let's just like hobbits and go on a hike. <laughs> now that I'm here, I'm She's optional. So <laughs> She's optional. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Lord of the That's Rings, it. guys. Lord of the Rings. Done. We will return next month. With the two towers. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't think we've said it here, but we're going to take a break yes. and not review the film because of the strike. Yes. We're going to support the strike and uh, hold out on that of Very watching cool. and the review. Um, take a break and then back. Just want to skip it and then. Want to come back the first week of September? Yeah. It feels like full circle if we do that. Sounds good. Yeah. With the next book. Right. And then whenever the strike is settled and, you know, everyone is given the rights Trust that they me, deserve. When the strike is settled, we're having, like, like have a little hobbit party here in L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Watch Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or at least Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. We'll do a little review. So corporations, pay your fucking actors and writers, you pieces of shit, and let the, like, strike end so we can actually do this, you greedy bastards. Anyway. And that's all we have to say about the strike. Workers' rights. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this op- not episode. This episode of the Silly Marillion. Did it. Special thanks to Evelyn yeah, for drawing our in, uh, our cover art, and special thanks to Jack Hook for our intro and outro music. Jack. And special thanks, as always, to our beloved patrons over on Patreon. If you would like bonus content, such as episodes where we just kind of talk about whatever the fuck's happening. And also uh, react to movies. Go over there. $5 for the first uh, one. $10 for the movie reactions. Uh, it's a perfect, it's a great deal. Uh, what are we watching this? this uh, I haven't decided. Because we had Muppet Treasure Island yeah. last month. TVD. TVD. If you're a patron, let us know what we should yeah. watch. If you're a patron, as always, <laughs> leave a comment. Uh, thanks to Molly for guesting. Thanks as always to Molly for guesting. Going always such a treat. Adventure. We're always way more introspective when you're here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> here to bring that balance of. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the, the literary. Sam Cam. You always yeah. have to talk to the Sam Cam. The Sam Cam. Yeah, you're right. That's I'm always that's always where my eyes are. <laughs> but it, it's a delight. I, I love I love these books so much that I love discussing them. Like basically line by line with you guys. It's really, really fun. Honestly, like, having, having, like, discussing anything nerdy with you is just, like, a treat. So, anytime I'm able to, I'm like, (laughs) oh, fuck. (laughs) So, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.